Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Ridiculous Upside Podcast with your host, Dakota Schmidt. Microphone check. One, two, what is this? is the Ridiculous Upside Podcast. Hello everybody, my name is Dakota Schmidt. I am the editor-in-chief of Ridiculous Upside, and of course, I am the host of the aforementioned Ridiculous Upside Podcast. Everybody, thank you for joining in on the first ever installment of this very podcast. So if you're listening to the show, chances are you know what Ridiculous Upside is all about. Chances are you follow us on Twitter, uh, like us on Facebook, and uh, check out RidiculousUpside.com whenever we post articles. But for those of you who are A, uninitiated to what Ridiculous Upside is, and B, have no idea what topics we're going to talk about on this very podcast. Uh, let me introduce what what Ridiculous Upside actually is. Uh, Ridiculous Upside is one of the premier sources for NBA G League news. Our last 10 years, ever since the legendary Matt Moore opened up the site back in the mid-2000s, back when the NBA G League was called the NBA D League, we have been giving you news, analysis, and interviews with some of the top players, some of the top coaches, and some of the top personalities involved in the minor league to the National Basketball Association. And uh, with this podcast, we hope to do what we do on uh, RidiculousUpside.com, but in audio form. For example, over the next few weeks, uh, you guys will be hearing interviews with some ex-G-leaguers that are currently on NBA rosters. I'm not I'm not going to spoil who the names are, but uh, stay tuned and you'll be able to find out here as we continue along with the Ridiculous Upside podcast. Uh, but before then, this episode will be all about the event that the G League uh, held in Chicago this past uh, weekend. It was the G League Player Invitational, an event that challenged G League hopefuls via full-court games to showcase their skills in front of G League personnel, executives, coaches, and other scouts surrounding uh, basketball, whether they be in the NBA or some teams in Europe, South America, or Asia. Uh, some of the players that participated in that player invitational will be uh, here, be heard 
uh, on this edition of the Ridiculous Upside podcast. Some of the names that we'll be uh, talking to include Luke Petrusek, former forward for Columbia, uh, Derek Newton, former forward for Stetson, Alec Wintering, a former guard for the Portland Pilots who play in the same uh, conference as Gonzaga, uh, John Gillian, a former uh, guard for, for Syracuse, who I actually interviewed before uh, the G League Player Invitational. Even, but even though it's an older interview, I, I still think that uh, you listeners will have a great time listening to uh, hearing, I mean, what Gillian uh, has to say about his past at Syracuse, playing against the likes of, you know, Dennis Smith, Grayson Allen, and his future as a rookie, uh, maybe in the G League, maybe in Europe, wherever. Then uh, finally, we're going to have an opportunity to talk to VJ Vimu, a guest contributor for Ridiculous Upside, who wrote a great piece for the site this week on uh, Daniel Dixon, a former guard for guard for William and Mary, who absolutely shined at the Player Invitational. Alongside uh, Dixon, Vimo will talk about some of the other players that shined in Chicago during this past week. But uh, before then, we'll kick things off with our week-old interview with former Syracuse guard John Gillen. After Gillen, we'll talk to Portland former former Portland Pilots guard Alec Wintering. Then we'll talk to both Derek Newton, the former Stetson forward, and then Luke Petrasek the former forward for Columbia. And to close things out, um, I'll have my discussion with guest Ridiculous Upside contributor VJ Vimu about his experience in Chicago at the G League Player Invitational. But ladies and gentlemen, let's start things out with our interview with John Gillen. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Ridiculous Upside podcast. At the top of the show, we mentioned that the NBA G League will be hosting the Player Invitational in Chicago this Sunday. And right now, we have one of the participants in that Player Invitational. That man is John Gillen, a former point guard for uh, the Syracuse Orange. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. So uh, you're going to be attending the Player Invitational in Chicago on uh, Sunday. Why did you decide to attend? Um, I heard that I got invited to it, and I just thought it would be a good opportunity to showcase my talents. Mm. Um, do you think that uh, you're going – do you have plans on actually going to the G League – this season? Um, I don't know, man. I, I have to see, I have to weigh all my options. I have to see what teams would be interested, the type of situation that I would be in. So, we'll see. Uh, what did you know about the league before you got invited? What'd you say? What did you know about the league before you got invited? Um, I don't really know much about it. I just, my agent just told me about it. All right. But uh, moving on to the actual event. In Chicago, uh, there's going to be more than 40 former college players alongside uh, about 100 that actually signed up 
on the G League website. And one other player that were was invited is a former teammate of yours at Syracuse, uh, Tyler Roberson. What are your thoughts on actually being able to possibly compete against him after competing with him at uh, Syracuse? Um, I think it'll be a you know good experience to play against Rogue. Uh, he's a really good player, high energy player, and I mean it'll be of course tough matchup because he's a high level player. But I mean it, it's good to be able to challenge myself. Yeah, and uh, you spent one season at Syracuse. You were you played at Colorado State for two years before that, and before that, you uh, played your uh, play at Little Rock. Looking back at your lone season at uh, Syracuse, uh, what was that experience like? Um, it was pretty fun, man. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be able to play at a school like that um, and also play under a Hall of Fame coach. So I tried to make the most of it, and I also just tried to enjoy it because it it's only one year. It went by fast, but I'll take memories with that with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, and even though you just were at Syracuse for one season, you played some great games, and most of those great performances were against elite talent. Let's uh, let's you know look back at some of your big time games at Syracuse. Inarguably, the biggest game was when you put up forty three points against uh, NC State and uh, NBA Lotto pick Dennis Smith. Uh, in the back of your, when you look back at that game, uh, how does it feel like to know that you put up more than forty points against somebody that's probably going to be starting in the uh, be a starting player in the NBA next season? Um, I mean, I, I really don't really think about it a lot, but I mean, thinking about it now. Um, that would that that is pretty cool, I guess. Um, I, but I do I, I compete against everybody the same. Um, I don't give anyone any extra attention when I play. I mean, I feel like uh, in a game like that, I, I was hitting shots, and you know, I just had it going. And I, after I hit a few shots, I feel like it's pretty hard to stop me. So, yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't know. And you also uh, put up twenty six points against uh, Grayson Allen. And, uh, Duke, you said that you don't, do you change up your game plan when you play against, like, elite competition compared to, like, uh, mid-major schools? Um, no, I I don't. Uh, I mean, we only played a few mid-major teams this year. So, I mean, and those were all blowouts, I think. And, uh. But most of the time we're playing high major teams. So, I mean, I had the same, um, you know, game plan. Um, I think just the big difference in the, the mid-major and the high major schools is just the athleticism of the bigs. Cards are always solid, but I, I think just the bigs. So there's just more shot blockers in there for high major teams. And uh, when you look back again, you said that uh, you only played one season at uh, Syracuse, now that you uh, graduated and you're moving on to uh, Pro Hoops, uh, how do you look back at that experience? Um, I look back on it and I just learned a lot and, you know, I wish I had more time there, but 
you know, I have to move on and, um, you know, start my career. And, um, of course, after your loan season, Syracuse, unfortunately, you weren't drafted. And I don't believe, uh, were you at uh, Vegas Summer League? No, I didn't go this year. Uh, uh, when you look back at your play at Syracuse, whether it's at Syracuse or Colorado State or even, you know, moving back to uh, Little Rock, what parts of your both your on-court and off-court uh, style do you think that uh, pro teams, whether they're in the G League overseas or even NBA, uh, what do you think that they should look at? Um, I think that I'm a high level shooter. Um, I have I'm always the fastest player on the court, and I have a high basketball IQ. So I mean, I think my game translates well to um, the pro level, just because this uh, floor is more space. And I, I already adjusted to the NBA three this summer when I was working on it. So I mean, I, I think I could be really useful for a team, and I'm pretty good under pressure. Do you think uh, your skills, your speed, and overall skill from beyond the arc can overset the fact that uh, you're only six foot? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think, um, I mean, I have. I have a high level of athleticism. Mm -hmm. um, every team I, I worked out for, I was the fastest player. We always tested our times. I always had a good vertical. Um, so I think that that makes up for me only being six feet. Okay, and uh, last few questions here. Uh, what are your overall um, expectations as you transition into becoming a pro? What do you mean by expectations? Um, like, what are you uh, going to try to show off to uh, teams here in your debut season as a pro? Um, I, I just want to show them my overall skill set, like how I'm a team player. I can, you know, play defense. I can run the team. Um, and I can hit open shots and also make plays when when it's needed. So I think that's useful in anything, someone that will come in and play smart and um, hit open shots. I think that's a, a, a pretty good skill to have. And uh, as you as you, um, like you said during the, uh, during the beginning portion of the inter interview, you don't know much about the G League. But the uh, G League, I think, might be the perfect style for you because it's, you know, fast-paced, High octane. Everybody likes to get down uh, floor as quick as possible, and there's a lot of uh, perimeter jumpers. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I think that does suit my game, and there's more possession, so you get more shots. So because the game is longer, and also the shot clock is shorter, so you have to make quick decisions, and I think that'll actually help me. Uh, so yeah. John, uh, thank you for joining the uh, Ridiculous Upside podcast, and good luck both uh, Sunday in Chicago at the G League Player Invitational and moving forward as you uh, become a rookie. All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. No problem. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Ridiculous Upside podcast. And uh, yet again, we have participant from this past weekend's G League Player Invitational. Join us. Uh, this player is Alec 
wintering a former uh, member of the Portland Pilots. And now he's uh, looking to enter his rookie season. Alec, thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. Yep, thanks for having me. Uh, what was your experience? Describe your experience uh, both in Chicago, the city itself, and in the G League Player Invitational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chicago is a great city. Um, I mean, there's so much history in the city. And just being able to, you know, be downtown and walk around a little bit, it was great. And then, I don't know, basketball-wise, it was a good experience. I was able to uh, catch up with some guys that I had played against in college and kind of knew a little bit and then got to compete with some, you know, great players as well and then able to talk to some coaches that are in the G League and things like that. So overall, it was it was a good experience. Uh, what was your describe your experience working with some of the some of those coaches and uh, where most of them were actually former NBA players themselves? One name that comes to mind is uh, Keith Bogans, who used to mm-hmm. play with the uh, Chicago Bulls. So, uh, what did you did he learn any lessons from those players? Yeah, our coaches were great. Um, you know, one of our coaches on the team that I played with was Cherokee Woods. Um, you know, former Duke guy, and he was just telling us, you know, do do what you do the best to the best of your abilities in the games. Um, you know, they have guys in the G League that score the ball well already and kind of to separate yourself in a different way. Um, so for me, I kind of took that as, you know, being a pass-first point guard, so I was looking to get guys involved early and often. Um, that was probably the biggest thing I, I took away from, from what the coaches had said. Uh, did you get the opportunity to showcase some of those skills during actual scrimmages themselves? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I I was on a team with guys like um, Tony Parker, who played at UCLA, um, Tyler Robinson, who played at Syracuse. Um, so, you know, I had some, some good players around me. So me being a point guard, it was easy for me to just kind of, you know, penetrate, get in the gaps and find open guys for first shots or, you know, push the tempo, kick it ahead, and get open layups for dunks. So that was easy for me, and the guys that I played with made it even easier. And uh, one of the players that you actually play with is an, another, you know, guest on this this episode. It's uh, Derek Newton, former mm-hmm. uh, former player at uh, Stetson. Yep. Uh, yep. Did you get, get an opportunity to work some uh, pick and rolls with him since he's, uh, since he's a par forward? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, he did a great job of stretching the floor um, in the games and getting out and running. So we had a couple sets that our, our coaches set up, but really it was just kind of pick and roll and then play off of that. So any time that I was able to, you know, get in the paint and create, I just kicked it out to open guys, and they did a good job of knocking down shots. How do you think you did during scrimmages? I think I did well. I mean, like I said, my – my focus was on getting, you know, g- getting guys involved, um, getting them open shots and easy shots. You know, in in college, I, w- I was able to score the ball at a high level. You know, my junior senior year, um, that that improved. So, <clears throat> I know I can score the ball, um, but I just really wanted to show that I'm a pass first point guard and put the right players around me. I'm able to get them open shots and good looks and. Again, they they did a great job. Uh, so Alec, you are 
seven months, I believe seven months removed from tearing your ACL during your senior mm-hmm. season. So how did your uh how did your uh knee hold up during the scrimmages? Yeah, it felt good. It felt really good. Um I've been rehabbing it for the past yeah, six or seven months. Um it feels good. Uh just, you know, getting it back out there and playing at a high level felt really good. Um you know, my my lungs were a little uh a little <laughs> Uh, week at first, but I was able to get my wind and finish out the day. But yeah, overall felt good. Um, no problems with it or anything, and I felt strong, so that's a good sign. So aside from you know maybe your conditioning, do you think you're fully fully uh, recovered? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fully recovered 100. Um, percent Now it's just kind of really getting back in the flow of the game. Um, you know, just things that you can pick up just from playing the game more often. You know, being involved in five on five. Um, scenarios and things like that, but knee wise, yeah, I'm 100. percent So, uh, to listeners, uh, to to listeners, um, join us here for a podcast. You were a member of the Portland Pilots who play in the West Coast Conference, which of course uh, includes Gonzaga. Even though you're, you know now one of the more well-known players that participated in the D-League Invitational, which of course has, you know, featured some like high major players like Tyler Roberson, Tony Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, you did have an acclimated career at Portland, uh, 1,500 points, 568 assists. You were great from beyond the arc. So even though you ended your college career, you know, on a sour note from that ACL tear, um, describe your memory uh, at, from Portland. Yeah, I, I had a great four-year career. Um, like all those numbers that you rattled off, I was, <laughs> a, you know, in the in the top ten on in multiple categories. Um, Would have been number one in assists. I was five assists away I think and I missed like the last 18 games or something like that um, who's, uh, who's number one in there Darwin Cook I believe okay. he played in the NBA back in the day yeah but yeah I mean it was a great career I don't have any regrets I was able to you know showcase my abilities um, you know make connections have some great coaches along the way um, some great teammates that are now some of my best friends um, and then you know, in the conference play, I was able to be an all-conference player three out of my four years that I played. Um, you know, so I don't have any regrets at all. And, you know, I appreciate everybody who, you know, that helped me along the way. So, you know, like we just mentioned, you were a mid-major player. So, you know, some of the listeners might not uh know a lot about you so for the people that are uninitiated to Alec Wintering uh, describe your play style uh, I'm a true point guard you know pass first point guard um, in my college uh, days um, my junior senior year I was kind of forced to score the ball so I kind of had to change my game but I see myself as a pass first point guard um, love to push the ball get guys involved um, pick and roll finding the open man. Um, and then I like to get out, get after it on the defensive end. Um, I was one of the league leading in, the st- in steals like all four years in the WCC. So I love to, you know, get in passing lanes or, or pressure the ball. 
And really, I just love to win. So I'm willing to do anything that my team needs me to do in order for that to happen. Um, which and current NBA player would you compare your uh, play style to? I'd say I'm like uh, Tony Parker or like an Isaiah Thomas, you know, another smaller guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, Tony Parker does a great job of finding angles around the rim, um, being able to finish around the rim, using his body really well, uh, having different finishes around the rim. Uh, I think I have kind of those same, you know, nuances in my game, just finding the correct angle to, you know, finish. And then Isaiah Thomas being a smaller guard, he has to use his body to his advantage. I mean, not being the tallest guy, but being able to use his frame um, as, as an advantage to him is kind of something that I do as well. You know, being 5'10", 5'11", guys are taller than me, but they don't face someone that's as quick as me on a daily basis, so I definitely use that to my advantage. So uh, when you go to, you know, Synergy or, you know, maybe even YouTube to watch game tape, Isaiah Thomas is the one player that you look at? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big, a big film guy, um, and I have... I was blessed to have two NBA coaches coach me. Um, in high school, it was Muggsy Bogues, and college was Terry Porter. So they're big film guys as well. So any opportunity I had to watch film on guys like Isaiah Thomas or Chris Paul, Steve Nash, um, any of those guys, um, I, I definitely watch. Yeah, and Synergy was a big deal for us um, with my college team. So any opportunity I had to get some extra film session in, that's those are the kind of guys that I was watching. JZ, you've really had the opportunity to learn from some great guards over the course of your mm-hmm. career. Yeah, definitely. I'm blessed. I mean, with Coach Bogues, I started playing with him my junior year in high school. Um, and then after I joined his team, I think we only lost three games the rest of my high school career. So me and him had a you know, great connection on and off the floor. Um still in contact with him regularly and then with coach Porter it was he started he took over my senior year at University of Portland and it was kind of the same thing he gave me he gave me freedom um in my play style in in his system um I think he just had the utmost confidence in me to you know make the right play and make my teammates better and coach Porter taught me a lot in the transition from you know, the college mindset and college system and then the NBA and pro game. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm just really blessed to have kind of two vets, um, NBA vets that played a long time and played really well. So they're, they're really helpful. Um, most definitely. So last question is as you head into your rookie season, what are some either some plans or expectations that you have as you transition from college to pro ball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I like I have just said, uh, Coach Porter kind of helped me switch to the pro game mindset. Uh, we ran some pro sets at the University of Portland, so I'm comfortable running some pro sets already. And then just working on my game, really, um, you know, getting back to the rhythm and the flow of the game coming off the knee injury. Um, it really is just getting back to the 
to the how I was playing in my junior and senior year at the University of Portland. And I'm really excited to, you know, just get back out there and play again and be surrounded by a group of guys that are, you know, willing to get after it and compete every possession. Um, do you plan last – this is the last question. Uh, you, you Of course, you competed in the G League Player Invitational this weekend. Uh, do you at this point do you see yourself playing in the G League to see uh, once again it's uh, the actual regular season? Yeah, uh, that's that's my um that's my goal right now is to you know play in the G League. Um, I did have some contracts overseas, but you know the, the, with the G League making some improvements, um, me and my agent believe that it would be a good a good fit and a good opportunity you know for me to try out the G League. All right, uh, Alec, thank you for joining us, joining us on the Ridiculous Upside podcast, and uh, I wish you the best as you head into your rookie season. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bye. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Ridiculous Upside podcast. Uh, our guest right now is yet an- another one of the players that participated in Sunday's G League Player Invitational. Uh, this player is Derek Newton, a former forward for uh, Stetson, a mid-major team, and uh, now he's going to be entering his rookie season. So, uh, Derek, thank you for joining us. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, first obvious question, uh, what was your experience like both in Chicago and at the G League Player Invitational? Oh, it was a great experience. Uh, that was actually my first time in Chicago. Uh, got to walk around a little bit uh, downtown, outside the hotel. But uh, it was a very neat event. I loved the hotel. Um, very well organized. And at the actual event, you know, it was, like I said, really organized. And uh, a lot of good group of guys, good competition, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the competition in a little bit, but uh, you you had the opportunity to work with some former NBA players, like for example, former Chicago Bull uh, Keith uh, Bogans. Uh, what was it mm-hmm. like, both you know, working with the, those former NBA players, and did he learn any uh, particular lessons? Uh, really, just the attention to detail. You know, just like from high school to college. You know, the attention, the detail, you know, it's a little more in-depth, and it's the same thing as when I went here. And I'm pretty sure it would be a lot more of that uh, during the actual season. But, uh, yeah, I learned just just paying attention to details, um, you know, uh, just mindset-wise, you know, just, just how the game is so mental. And do you learn about, like, some of the things you're going to have to do as you transition from playing college ball to pro ball? Uh, really, uh, so far as just that one day is just like getting used to the rules, you know, how you can't mm-hmm. be in the paint for three seconds, um, you know, how you have to step outside the key and meet them all the way over there. But uh, just just of that one day, it's just really just learning the rules. That's about it. And uh, you had the opportunity to participate in the scrimmages at the actual event where you got to uh, play alongside some pretty talented uh, players. First off, talk about some of the players that you had the opportunity to 
you know, play with and then talk about the scrimmages themselves? Oh, I was on a team with Tony Parker at UCLA. Uh, really good. I actually am from L.A., so I watched him in, in college a lot. It was a great opportunity to play with him. Uh, great guy. Uh, Tyler Robinson from Syracuse. Uh, you know, also watched him a lot. Uh, he's very good. Um, played against uh, Rodney Purvis. Uh, very, very good. Um, always used to watch his high school mixtapes and stuff like that. Uh, but just a lot of, just a lot of, just a lot of, uh, a lot of great group of guys, man. It was, it was good competition. Uh, did you have an opportunity to mm-hmm. play against? I don't know how to say his name, but like he's like the he was a big time mystery man heading into the event. Uh, Tijen Kieta. I did, I did, I did. I think I did. Uh, maybe I, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> he's a he's he's a six ten, uh, par forward, can shoot, very athletic. I I really don't remember much. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't remember uh, right. him too much. Uh, how do you think you stood up against you know some competition? Because like you mentioned, you competed against you know some guys like you know Tyler Robertson, Tony Parker, who you know uh, back in college they competed you know at the best in the best conferences. They played, mm-hmm. you know, multiple times in the NCAA double tournament while, you know, you were a mid-major player. But how do you think you sacked up amongst uh, uh, those uh, players? I think I played pretty well. I think I had a solid showing. Uh, showing I can knock down shots. Uh, I can I can play multiple. I can guard multiple positions. And uh, you know, I think I think I did pretty well, uh, especially the first game. Uh, second game, I was a little disappointed in myself, but wasn't really involved or engaged as much. But, um, you know, I learned from it and just, and just keep learning from that game and just uh, keep moving forward. But I think I, I think I did pretty good. Okay. Uh, transitioning from the player invitational itself to actually uh, your time at Stetson, um, what was it uh, like playing at a smaller school, and do you think uh, players at mid-major, talented players, ultimately get overlooked when they play at you know mid-major compared to some of the big big-time schools? Uh, playing at a a small school is definitely a, probably I, you know I've never played at a big school obviously, but I feel like I think yeah. it's a a lot different. Um, coming in there, I was pretty much. Um, the guy since I stepped on campus, um, but I think I think uh, I think people I think uh, small school guys are a little overlooked. You know, um, there's some that can actually uh, really compete with uh, some high major guys. I think the difference is I think is this high major they may be a little more athletic and they uh, uh, are a lot taller. You know, just bigger position wise, but I think skill wise. Pretty much neck and neck. Um, there was even a um, at the player invitation. There was a Division two guy there who actually surprised me. He was actually pretty good. So to see a Division two uh, guy, was that Thomas Wimbrush? 
Yeah, yeah, he was pretty good. Um, to just see, you know, even a Division two guy to be able to compete with, uh, you know, some high level and uh, Division one players is that was pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. of course, he played at Stetson for only two seasons compared to you know most players that seem like uh, they play in mid majors for like two or you know talking about the upper echelon players that you know. Yeah. play at those mid-major schools for like two or three seasons and they spend like their senior season at a, you know, a high major school. Uh, yeah. You decided to uh, take a different route and uh, declare for the draft after your sophomore season. Why well, I didn't, did you, uh, the, I didn't do declare for the, I didn't declare for the, I didn't declare for the draft. Uh, I tested the waters, uh, pulled out uh, before the date. Um, just, had had a good summer, just worked out like I was going back to school, and I recently just decided that um, I wanted to develop my game in a pro environment okay. this upcoming season and uh, against pros, and recently decided just to pull out, so still have my draft rights. Uh, just decided okay. instead of playing college ball this season, I'll be playing uh, pro ball this season. So Okay. Um of course, Derek, you are uh, you played two seasons at Stetson, and compared to you know uh, most players, even most players that competed in the G League player rotation, like Tyler Roberson and uh, and you know Tony Parker and Isaac Hamilton, yeah. and some players like that, you're you're more of uh, an un, un, uh, unknown quantity. So uh, mm-hmm. tell the listeners, describe your play style, and maybe compare. Uh, yourself to an NBA player? Uh, I would say I'm very versatile. Uh, I can play the two through the four. Um, I can post up. I can hit the three. And I think that's why I bring uh, to the table is, you know, you can use me in so many different ways. You can put me as a stretch four. Um, you can put me as a three, you know, and even if you want to go big and strong, you can put me at the two. Um, uh, got a great mid-range game. Uh, can rebound, defend. Um, if I had to compare my game, um, I say like around like Paul Pierce is really good footwork to have a good knack for scoring the ball um, and can defend and, and 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 really passionate about the game. Mm-hmm. One comparison that comes to my mind after it was just like some like brief like three four minute highlights that I saw on YouTube. Since uh, it's tough to watch, like you know, Stetson games. But yeah, yeah. The player that actually came to my mind was uh, Robert Covington. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Forward for the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm. And, you know, like Covington, you are coming from, you know, you're, of course, undrafted and you're coming from, actually, you didn't declare for a draft, like you said, but you're coming from, you know, a small school. You're an unknown quantity. So I think uh, Robert Covington is a pretty apt comparison yeah. and you know you know especially from for the kind of position that he is currently at with the uh, 76ers yeah oh that's i'll take it i mean he's a good player <laughs> definitely a good player exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. of course um <laughs> it would be it would be i guess a little too optimistic to say that you'll immediately come in and play at the level of uh, Mr. Covington. Uh, well, <laughs> what are your expectations uh, going into your rookie season? 
Uh, well, I always heard, hold uh, high high expectations for myself. But if I'm being realistic, you know, I would be satisfied just coming in and being a solid rotation guy, uh, just filling in my role and 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 hopefully building up uh, throughout the season to being a um, you know like a starter or just you know uh, one of the main guys in the team. But you know, I'm you know realistic. I would like to be you know. D league rookie of the year, newcomer of the year, whatever that type is. That's the type of goal I'm going into it. But uh, realistic, and, you know, just just being a solid rotation guy. And your plans are to go to the you know G league this year. Yeah, that's that's my plan. I would love to play in the G league this season. Yeah, and you know, uh, hopefully be, become the next you know maybe Robert Covington. No, maybe, maybe that'll be, I'll take, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, thank you, Derek, for uh, joining us here. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about both your experiences in in Chicago, your you know time at uh, Stetson, and uh, your future going forward as a rookie, hopefully in the NBA G League. So, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you, appreciate it. All right. Bye bye. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Ridiculous Upside Podcast. And uh, yet again, we have another participant from this past weekend's NBA G League Player Invitational joining us. And uh, this time, it is former Columbia forward and uh, new uh, rookie Luke Petrasek. Luke, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, as I just mentioned a few moments ago, you were one of the players that attended this weekend's, uh, NBA G League Player Invitational in Chicago. Describe both your experiences in Chicago itself, in the city, and also at the actual, uh, G League Invitational. Uh, sorry, you just cut out a little bit. Can you just repeat the question? Okay, uh, describe your experience both in Chicago, the city itself, and at the G League Player Invitational. Oh, well, um, the city's great. I mean, this is this is the first time I've really been able to come and explore the city. I've passed through before, um, but, you know, the, the skyline's beautiful. It reminds me a little bit of New York City, um, a little cleaner. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and also the... Uh, the basketball experience was great. Um, the facility was really nice, and playing in front of all those scouts was was definitely something that I didn't take for granted. Um, and and having such a good coach who really was trying to guide me, and you could tell that they were all into helping us. Yeah. Uh, what did you know about the G League before Sunday? Um, what did I know? Yeah. Well, I just knew that um, Gatorade had bought out or is now representing the D League, so um, it. I really felt like um, the G League's on the come up and uh, definitely heading in a good direction. Um, more competition coming in, and um, the players are. It's just like it's higher level now. Mm-hmm. I feel than it's ever been. Yeah, definitely with the inclusion of uh 
the two-way contracts, which, you know, uh, allows, you know, better players to, you know, stay in America stay in the U.S. and play in the G League than take, you know, more lucrative offers in, in Europe or China. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a that's a big uh, advantage to playing in the States now. Mm-hmm. Um, at the G League Player Invitational, you had the opportunity to work with a plethora of uh, former NBA players. The one name that continues to come to my mind that was at the event was um, Keith Bogans, former uh, Chicago Bull, and I believe Cherokee Parks was also there. Uh, what are your thoughts on being able to work uh, with some of those former NBA players, and did he learn any lessons from them? Well, I mean, it's always great try, or, uh, as you're trying to make your way to the next level to really absorb the information that these guys are trying to give you who have been through everything before because I really don't, I don't know everything and I know that I don't know everything. So the more you can try to um, obtain new information as you're coming up, it could help you uh, even go up faster or try to not have to learn the hard way on certain things. You know, that they're really trying to give you their best advice because they've all, they've seen almost everything before. And, also at the event, you had the opportunity to play in some of the actual uh, scrimmages themselves where you were able to play alongside uh, some other talented players like um, Mark Loving, former Ohio State guard, uh, Rodney Purvis, uh, John Gillian, who is actually also on this uh, episode. Uh, how do you think you did during the actual scrimmages themselves? Yeah, I thought I thought the scrimmages went really well. I mean, it's it's always usually tough trying to blend eight or nine guys together who have never played or met each other before. But I mean, just the the play styles of the guys on our team it it made it easy to to kind of blend in with each other. Um, I definitely had some great players on my team. They really showed what they could do, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed playing those two games. Uh, how do you think you stood up to some of the competition? I thought it went well. I mean, I've been working hard all summer, and and you know, I'm very confident in my in my game and my ability, um, which I feel like that's that's all you could really ask for for somebody is them to know they put the work in and to be confident in what they can do and not afraid to show it on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the actual similarities between the actual player invitational and uh, the G League itself is the fact that you really don't have a lot of time to get you know used to or get familiar uh with your teammates of course uh during the play invitation you probably had like you know minutes or hours to even talk to those players even that while in the g league g league itself you have like like a week or two from like the g league draft to the actual start of the uh the season. So during the player invitational, do you think you were able to gain some chemistry with some of the guards like uh, John Gillian or Avery, Avery Holmes? Yeah. I mean, uh, basketball is, is basically a universal language in the sense that when you're on the court, everybody, uh, everybody basically talks and understands the game similarly. So it's, it's easy to, to get a quick connection. But um, some of these guys I've actually 
played with earlier in the summer, whether it was draft workouts or, or other uh, scrimmages and stuff like that. So, I mean, I was lucky enough to have some guys on my team that I was familiar with playing. And um, the other guys who I didn't know, you know, I think that just being around basketball for so long and just the level that we're at right now, it's easy to to come together because we both understand how to play the game. So when it comes to your uh, on-court skills, on-court player, um, describe your play style for some of the listeners that you know didn't have an opportunity to watch uh, uh, you play at Columbia. Well, um, I definitely think that the strength of mine is being uh, being able to stretch the floor and play multiple positions because it, I felt like I could create matchup problems on the court. And um, my shooting ability really helped me to stretch the floor because uh, defenders had to honor that that I could shoot, so they would close out hard, which allowed me to put the ball on the floor. Um, also, I felt like throughout my college career, I really tried to showcase my passing ability, um, which went a little overlooked. Um, but I really felt like I could pass the ball to my teammates and always put them in pretty good positions to score throughout uh, the four years that I've played. Uh, which current NBA player would you compare your uh, play style to? Uh, I have to say, I've always tried to model my game a little bit after Chandler Parsons. Really? So, I mean, yeah. Just like a 6'9", 6'10", who's trying to go from like the four to the three maybe you know can shoot from the outside but can also put the ball on the floor Mm. another when I look at your some of your numbers and you know watch some of your highlights before this interview another player that kind of came to mind it might be a little lofty comparison but uh, Nikola Jokic from the from the Nuggets because of your ability to stretch the floor floor and also uh uh, facilitate as a six ten big. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you go to uh, Synergy or go to YouTube to watch uh, clips, is uh, Parsons the one player that you look at? Uh, well, I mean, not the one player that I look at. I, I actually have a couple players that I really try to watch, but I I, I watch different players for different reasons. So, like, I'll watch. I love watching Kobe for what he does in the post, you know, some of the jump shots he gets out of the post. I love watching KD play. I just feel like um, he's just so smooth that trying to simulate what he does is is incredible and and difficult at the same time. Um, So, yeah, there's there's plenty of players that I love to watch. Okay, uh, last question. Uh, What are your expectations as you head into your rookie season? Um, I mean, right now, as I still don't know exactly where I'm going to end up next year, I'm just, I'm just staying patient. Um, I'm keeping my expectations pretty moderate because, uh, I just, I know that going to taking the jump to the next level is, it's going to be a whole different game and I'm just going to really try to adjust as quickly as I can and try to make an impact for whatever team I play for. 
All right, uh, Luke, thank you for joining joining us on the regular Upside podcast, and I wish you the best luck as you yeah, head thank into you. your rookie season. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Ridiculous Upside G League Player Invitational Extravaganza. Uh, we have a special guest joining us right now. It is VJ uh, Vimo, who actually did a solid piece for us about his time at the Player Invitational. He did a great article on Daniel Dixon, and he's on here right now to talk about, you know, of course, Daniel Dixon, and also his time at the G League Player Invitational. BJ, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for joining me. I'm excited to be here, and it was certainly a blast to go to the G League Player Invitational. Um, I mean, like, you know, not many people know these types of events, but it's always fun to go out and see guys, you know, play basketball, and see some of those underrated guys that, like, you know, could rise up and be one of those underdog stories. Well, definitely. Uh, first off, when did you get to the actual event? Uh, okay, well, the event, well, I mean, the event was separated into, like, two separate events. Basically, one was the sign-up registration um, invitational, which any guy, anyone can sign up. And um, the other half was the invite only. Um, so I went to the, I went to both sessions. It started at 7.30 in the morning. And the second session ended at 5.30. So, you know, I was there for, I was there for about 10 hours. But it was, you know, it was a long day. <laughs> It was yeah, it was a long day, but it was certainly fun. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> you were I uh I actually I'm the editor here and I actually sent you off there to do like a be like do like a guest contributor spot. I didn't mean to have you there for ten hours. It's fine. No, it's totally fine. It was just fun watching basketball, you know, got to be around got to see like, you know, how the process works, got to talk to some of the G League people who are very, very nice people, very great people. You know, who helped me out and stuff like that, getting people to talk to. And, you know, just, you know, being around just NBA people, it was, it was fun. I mean, certainly some of the basketball was kind of like meh, especially in the beginning, I'm not going to lie. But yeah. um, especially in the first invitation, it was very pickup-ish, like guys were moving the ball around and stuff. It got better as, as it went along. Um, but, yeah, it was, lo- it was a long day, but it was certainly a fun day. Did uh, things start to get better when the actual players that were invited to the event started to show up rather than the uh i guess the weekend warriors the mm-hmm. basketball dreamers he basically yeah i mean the stuff it really got to pick up because you know there was only two games instead of four so um you didn't have to keep your eye on as much um a lot more fluid because you know these are a lot more established college players from like bigger name schools um you know so i saw some of these guys in college certainly i remember some of their names so I was like, okay, you know, it's, I mean, they all played a lot better than I think you saw from what you said, like the weekend Warriors. So yeah, the basketball certainly did pick up. Yeah, um, some players that participated in the G League Player Invitational, uh, Isaac Hamilton, who played UCLA, Jordan, mm-hmm. Jordan Matthews, who played both Cal and Gonzaga. Uh, you had uh, Tony Parker, the former power forward for UCLA, yep. not the San Antonio <laughs> point guard. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been an interesting thing now yeah, to see him certainly, out yes. there. Uh, what are who are some of the other names that stood out to you aside from that trio? Um, I mean, obviously Daniel Dixon played very well. Um, I think that was that was a big one for me at least. You know, he was a shooter coming out um, and absolutely knocking everything down. Uh, Jordan Matthews did well. Um, you know, Keith and Savage. He was um, a player from Butler. Um, 
Uh, he was there actually in the beginning too. That was really surprising when I saw. I think he was one of the invite players, and he was already there on the playing during the first half when he didn't have to go. So I thought that was very that was very impressive. That's very impressive of him. Um, and and other guys just like you know Dale Reynolds, the former Villanova guy, played well, played pretty well. Um, uh, I forgot. Uh, let's see. Uh, thinking of other guys, um, Tajan Kada played very well. You know the um, the mystery man from Canada. Um, I think he was pretty. He was pretty good. He showed he showed like potential to be to be a player in the NBA. I mean, obviously a lot of his stuff was still very shaky, um, but he certainly showed potential with his length, um, willingness, like and 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 just basic energy. Um, for those of you who don't know, Tijen Keda is a play is a I think he's a six ten forward. Yeah, that, he's like uh, he's around seven foot six ten, so something like yeah, that. Yeah, who actually just started playing basketball three years ago mm-hmm. in uh, France, and he moved to Canada where he got to play in one of the bigger basketball academies in uh, Canada, and he actually. At that academy, he actually uh, became roommates with another participant in the player invitational, uh, Troy uh, Coupain, a former uh, member of God, what school he was at? Temple? No, he, Cincinnati. Yeah, I can't remember that off the top of my head, but yeah. But uh, did he, did uh, Kenna look like a player that has only been playing basketball for three years? He, at times he did. He really looked like, okay, they, I mean, basically the two versions you will you saw from Kenna and what I imagine people would be seeing from Kenna as he progresses through this league is there'll be times they'll be like, wow, this kid's got like major star potential. Um, you know, like this guy's got length and stuff. You know, he could be a real, could be like a real force if he just rounds his game. There's other times where you're just like, okay, like, you know, maybe this guy needed to actually go to college or, like, you know, like, what does he know what sport he's playing, like, jokingly. But, like, um, you could see that, like, you know, he's only played three years of basketball. I know most of these guys have obviously played basketball their whole life, so their games are more reformed. They're more comfortable. The game's slowed down for him. Maybe the game's not as slowed down for him, I think, at this point. Um, and I know, like, slowing the game down was something I talked with Daniel Dixon, actually. Um, so I think that as um, as – Kata starts playing more and more in better, better competition. Uh, the game will start to slow down to him, and it's up to him to make those adjustments on how he can get better. So, is he another uh, Bruno Caboclo? Is he two years away from being two years uh, away? Yeah, I mean, when I talked to some of the guys, I mean, basically, when I saw he was on Raptors Summer League, I talked to some of the Raptors, like, you know, writers that I know, and they're like, yeah, you know, one of the guys wrote a story about how he's the next Bruno. So, I mean, that wasn't a good first impression, though, but he did play well. Um, like you know, like Bruno, he shows potential. So I mean, I mean, obviously, unlike Bruno, he's gonna have to like show that he can take the next step and not be you know what Bruno is right now. But hopefully, uh, unlike Bruno, Kiata could actually get an opportunity to play in the G League mm-hmm. from the jump because that unfortunately was in the position that Caboclo was in yeah. during his rookie season since Raptors didn't have a G League affiliate. Until he was a, until sophomore season, second season in the NBA. Yeah, certainly having a G League, certainly getting on a G League team will help Kata a lot more than Bruno did because you know gives him more playing time, more exposure. That's certainly what it is. Yeah. But as a as a forward, did he as the event went on? Did he seem more comfortable working with some of the more like experienced guards like? 
he was playing on Team One alongside, you know, Jordan Matthews mm-hmm. and uh, former Ohio State big uh, Trevor Thompson, Kendall Pollard too. So Kendall yeah. Pollard from uh, Dayton. Mm-hmm, yeah, certainly. Um, he looked more and more comfortable as the event went on. Um, but I mean, obviously there was times and flashes in games where he would just get overpowered, or he would just like you know look a little bit lost on defense, or you know it's just, it's just I think that like he he got more in the rhythm and in the flow. Obviously his team really helped get a pretty good team, especially strong guard play. Um, but I mean I just think that like he just yeah like you said he just certainly has he certainly got better as the game went on, and that's that's a good sign. It shows that you know just he didn't put his head down. Um, he kept working at it. Um, obviously, he's only is a very young kid. Um, he has a lot of ways to go. So it was a good sign to see him pick up as the game went on and just not regress. Aside from you mentioned Keaton Savage, uh, former former Butler guard, and you also mentioned uh, Keda. Who are some of the other under the radar uh, players that stood out at you? Um, some of the underrated guys. Uh, Trevor Thompson from Ohio State. That was another one that I saw. I was like, okay, that's. That's not that bad. Uh, Rodney Purvis on Team 2, that was a pretty good one. Uh, like you mentioned, Tony Parker, I think he was a little bit underrated because not many guys were talking about, you know, Tony Parker at the beginning. They were just like, you know, it's more about, oh, Hamilton, and um, more less guys are about Tony Parker. So I think Tony Parker played well. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, more, other than that, I think most guys, you know, were already known, were already talked about. Everyone's like, oh, look at this guy, look at this guy. So I feel like all the underrated guys, you know, I think we discussed right now. But, I mean, certainly um, certainly there, there could have been more guys. But, I mean, there's a lot of guys stood out. So I don't know. Basically, you couldn't see some of the underrated guys because there's so many good guys in a way. Exactly. And uh, maybe Tony Parker was under the radar because – he didn't play basketball last year. After graduating from yeah. UCLA in uh, 2016, he didn't play any organized hoops. He wasn't, like, overseas. He wasn't in the G League. He wasn't, you know, anywhere. Uh, when you watched him, did he look like a player that looked kind of rusty? Uh, At times, yeah. I mean, certainly, like, you know, taking that year off certainly does, doesn't help anybody at all um, unless he's, like, I don't know, unless he was just playing basketball that we didn't know about. Um, so, yeah, the rust was there, but, I mean, he still showed the skills that he had back at UCLA at the center spot because, um, you know, some of those skills don't go away. I mean, obviously, maybe conditioning was a little bit was a little bit tough for him and, you know, like maybe getting into the game flow. But I think what was important was he, Parker still showed that, like, you know, he has the skills to be, like, a good enough big man, at least in the G League. Aside from the on-court action, I think one of the bigger stories is the fact that former, both former NBA and WNBA coaches were at mm-hmm. the event. Former NBA and WNBA players were actually at the event as uh, coaches. Uh, what was your take on that? Uh, I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good exposure. I mean, certainly I'm a Bulls guy, so seeing Keith Bogans there was certainly a flashback to like you know those Tibbs days. Uh, certainly like seeing Keith Bogans there. Um, I think it's a good exposure because, you know, like they those players coached um, every every single one of those players from like the invitational guys to the invite guys. So, I mean, it's good to see like player on player experience. I think there's a bond between players when you like when you play basketball, they get it in a way more than like a coach would in in a certain sense. So I think it was a good it was a good learning and meshing experience because, you know, guys were able to give tips here and there, able to establish connections and it was just it was just really cool to see. It was just a real fun experience. Aside from Bogans, who are some of the former players that were on the sidelines? 
Uh, can't remember off the top of my head. I think I have a list next to me, but uh, I mean, Bogans was the only one that I saw. I was like, wow, maybe. But um, <laughs> other than that, you had because uh, actually, this has been an ongoing thing for the uh, dealing in terms of trying to bring former player, trying to transition former players mm-hmm. from the court uh, to the sidelines. Uh, we we have seen this in the past. Uh, last season, I think one of the bigger exam- examples of this was uh, Charlie Bell working as an assistant coach with yeah. Texas Legends, and also uh, Ben Baker, uh, a '90 star, also working with the uh, Texas Legends. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, Reggie Jordan was there. I mean, guys like that, former NBA, former like I said, former NBA players. Emmanuel Davis was there. Um, so I mean, just guys that you know, like I think some not everyone knew like off the bat, but like guys that you know when they explained who they were, everyone was just like, oh, okay. So I mean, uh, most of these guys were undrafted too, and most of these guys like bounced around. Like I know Davis bounced around a lot. He played in Italy too, and he went undrafted. So I mean, these were not like high-profile guys. I think they're more guys that you know could relate to the players. Like oh, I spent time in the D League too, or I was undrafted as well. So it created that bond because like you know. You know, it's someone you can relate to for most of these players. You're like, you know, a lot of them have the chip on the shoulder, and they might not relate to a lot of the guys in the rest of the locker room based on how they were drafted or undrafted or the situations that occurred to them. So I think having those coaches there was, and having the similar experiences to the players really helped. Yeah, because, you know, aside from, you know, some bigger names like, you know, Isaac Hamilton and, you know, Jordan Matthews and Tony Parker, most of the players that attended. Uh, you know, play college hoops in you know mid major, yeah. at least mid major schools. Some of the players actually there played at uh, Division two colleges. Yeah, too. a lot of them were a lot of them were under mid major schools. You have to be like, oh, okay, I've seen that team in like a tournament game or an early preseason game. Most of them weren't from like high flying schools like a Villanova, Butler, Ohio State, UCLA, or Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was really. It was really eye-opening to see these guys, you know, in even more action. Like, you won't always see a Kendall Pollard every single weekend on ESPN. Or you won't even see, like, a Daniel Dixon playing at, like, William & Mary. So, it was cool to see, like, you know, the best of, you know, you could say the mid-majors, quote-unquote, perform there. But you can definitely see those mid-major players were at the same level as some of the guys that were... That played at bigger schools. Yeah, certainly they were playing. You can see them playing on that level. Um, certainly, a lot of guys. I think it's exposure. I think that's the one thing holding a lot of guys back when they go to small schools and they're really good. Is exposure, and it's the fact that everyone's like, "Oh, they don't play good enough competition," and that's the only argument they have. Yeah, it's a pretty valid argument. But at the same time, we got to agree that some of these guys are pretty good, and they could be making NBA rosters soon. So, I mean, some of these guys just have the skills, and you know, it's just not enough exposure. Hmm. Um. Remember, just last year, uh. David Nawaba yeah. was had you know G League uh, tryouts. Chayshon Burrell, who was you know one of the better forwards in the uh, league last season, was at the Dynamo's called the national tryout. But um, solid players, solid you know G League players, and some of these players may end up being you know you know, G League All-Stars or even make an NBA roster like we saw with uh, Nate, David Nawaba last yeah, year Jonathan Simmons. and uh, Jonathan yep. Simmons uh, a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, Simmons and Nawaba are the two ones who are, that were really like, you know, the calling cards or like the prime examples. Um, 
so yeah, it's just great to see like these stories and these tryouts because you never know what's gonna happen when you give a guy a shot. Like I know I wrote about that. Like all he needs is a chance to show that he that he can play. I mean, any of these guys can play. So I mean, all they need is a shot. I think, and the G League offers them mm-hmm. that. I think better than most leagues at this point because it's now that like the NBA has found a way to really connect the two leagues in a way or get a better connection, you can, it, it can be established as more of a pipeline than just a separate league itself. Then, then Europe, think, then probably like Europe, then yeah. Europe or uh, South yeah, America. Some, or, I mean, outside know, of the country, China. yeah, I think so. So, uh, VJ, when you look back at this event now, uh, you're a few days removed. Mm-hmm. What are some of your biggest takeaways? Uh, some of my biggest, I mean, for the event itself, I thought it was a very cool event. Um, certainly, these events matter. I mean, high stakes. I mean, it might have been low key, as in there might maybe not much media there, not much media attention, not many. A lot of like high profile NBA guys were there, but I mean, this this was an intense competition. I mean, guys really wanted to show that they had a shot, um, and I think it just shows that how how far the G League has come. I mean, like I, I mean, all these guys. I don't know if all of them are going to make a G League roster, but certainly most of them should be. Um, I think it shows the depth of this league and how far it's come. There's so many good players now coming through mm-hmm. um i think it's also shown that you know like some guy, like not every team is going to be looking for scores like i know i was thinking around to be like going around like all oh, these guys like moving the ball and no one's trying to be too selfish and stuff like that so i think it shows that teams are start looking for like solid two-way players to play um not just guys that are scoring so they're looking for more all around and the guys are reflecting that on the court uh vj thank you for joining uh, this edition of the Ridiculous Upside Podcast. I appreciate you uh, attending the G League Player Invitational as a guest contributor for Ridiculous Upside, and I hope uh, you have a great night. Uh, thank you so much. You know, Hopefully I um, want to maybe contribute to the site a little bit more as a guest contributor later on. Uh, it was certainly fun. Uh, thank you for uh, sending me there. I had a blast. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. (gasps) No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.